This is Cardinal Truth, and this is chapter 23. My name is J.D. Lehman. My wife Carrie and I co-lead a community of believers in Oak Park, Illinois, which is just outside of the west edge of Chicago proper, about 10 miles from the lake. And I would say that if you're ever around on a Sunday, why don't you stop in and say hello, grab a cup of coffee with us, and enjoy our time of fellowship together. But currently, we are going through a coronavirus quarantine. It is March the 16th as I'm recording this, and right now in the state of Illinois, you cannot have meetings of 50 or more. Have it on pretty good faith that that number is going down to 10, so it's going to be tough. Got to say, if it gets down to five, like Australia is, I've got five kids, so we're going to have to figure out which two will be sleeping in the garage. At any rate, if you are on a podcast app, would you drop a rating or a comment or a review? All those things go a long way to helping out this little podcast. All right, I kind of want to talk about this coronavirus because it's out there, and it feels like it's really scary. And so I've been thinking about this the last few days, and for those of you who are new to my story, I spent the first 19 years of my professional career as a trader. And in that trading environment, one of the first things that happened to me in my brand new career, right after I got married, it's the fall and September 11th happens. I was a pit clerk. I was an option clerk at the time, handling a bunch of guys with a bunch of headsets. I watched a bunch of grown men weep, and then we were shuffled out of the, out of the trading floors. I got to the train, we rode my train out, and, I, and we were out of work for a week. We just basically sat in our apartment. My wife and I sat there, and we did a Thomas Kincaid thousand-piece puzzle, and we just kind of, it was kind of one of those numb feelings. We were kind of locked inside. And to some degree, this quarantine, this self-isolation part of the coronavirus right now feels a little bit like that. There was this unexpected global shutdown in 01, and it feels like we're coming upon this unexpected global shutdown. And it almost, there's this fear that kind of grips you. It kind of gets in your blood. Like you start reading the reports, it's like, oh my goodness, I, there were 89,000 cases in China and there were this many deaths and now it's in Italy and they can't even leave their houses and all the restaurants and bars in Chicago and all of Illinois just got closed down as of midnight tonight. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm, I'm constricted. I got to go to the grocery store and, and go buy a whole bunch of stuff and hoard it up because I don't know, know if I'll ever be able to get back out again. Currently, there's a toilet paper shortage all over the Chicagoland area. Toilet paper. What, what, what in the world are we doing, people? But toilet paper. Apparently, everybody thinks they're going to have the runs, and uh, toilet paper is going to be a, a must-have. If you have running water, why do you need toilet paper? Okay, I digress. I want to call back to attention um, this idea of suffering, and I want to relate it to the early church. Uh, if you're a part of our church community and our family of believers, you'll know that we just completed a four-week series on the book of Mark. And it was kind of one of those topical overviews, but it was really amazing to kind of dig into it and to see that the book of Mark, which was probably written between 63 and 69 or 70 CE, was written to a primarily Roman audience or Greek audience, and it was 
this idea that this is how you go through suffering. This is how you make it through this thing that's happening to you right now. And so you might ask, what's happening to them right now? Well, for all intents and purposes, Paul is dead. The great apostle who has, who has written two-thirds of your New Testament. Peter is probably dead, or at least going to be dead. Even at the early date, he's probably going to be dead within a year of the writing of the letter of Mark. And there had been this great fire that swept through Rome and burned all of the nobles' homes. And all of the like, parliament and, and the, uh, the, the uh, politicians thought it was the emperor because he wanted to revitalize Rome to make it look more Greek, to make the architecture more beautiful. But what had really happened is maybe he had started the fires. Now historians are kind of split up if he did it or not, but what is true is that he blamed the Christians for it. He blamed this small religious sect and he started to persecute them. And so he would go and send his guards and knock on their doors and say, hey, are you a follower of the way? Are you a Christian? And if you said yes, he drug you out and threw you in the Circus Maximus where there were wild animals, there were gladiators. You died. You were killed. And if you said no, then he turned to you and said, the guards turned to you and said, then who is? Tell us who is so we'll go get them. It was like this, this horrible room of of just death. And so your leaders were imprisoned, your pastors were murdered, you were boycotted as believers, there were economic sanctions basically against you, you were excluded in your own neighborhood. So there's this suffering, and yet Christianity prevailed. And then in 65, under the reign of Marcus Aurelius, a deadly pandemic swept through the area. It lasted about 15 years. It killed Marcus Aurelius. It was, many medical historians will look back and say that they believe this could have been the first discovery of smallpox in the Western world. Not really sure, but whatever this virus or disease was, it was deadly. It killed approximately 30% of the Roman Empire, and yet the Christians prevailed. Less than 100 years later, in 251 CE, another deadly epidemic sweeps through all of the Roman Empire. More death resulted. And if you look at the texts, many of the um, religious sociologists look back and they say that during this time, the pagans even admitted that this was punishment from the gods and paganism started to collapse while Christianity remained strong. In fact, Christianity started to flourish during this time. And it's not even for another 75 years coming out of this that Christianity would be called the state religion, but yet it started to flourish. And so the question that I'm coming back to is how in the face of persecution, how in the face of possibly smallpox and 30% of the, of the world, of the known area dying? How in the face of another epidemic that sweeps through and kills two more emperors? How does Christianity survive? How do they survive the suffering? And what can we as communities of faith, what can we do when we look at these? How can we actually glean something from their struggle? And what can we take away from it? How can we be more enriched by the early Christian struggle? 
You see, I think the book of Mark was like this, this base note that settled people. Yeah, suffering's going to happen, but Jesus is in the boat. Yeah, we're on the waves, but Jesus is in the boat. Yeah, there's waves on the sea and we don't know what's going to happen, but Jesus walks through the waves and comes to us. You see, I, I think the question is, where is God in the suffering? And I think Jesus always showed that he would be with them in the suffering. That he wasn't there to take away the suffering. Suffering was going to happen. Suffering is part of life. But what he did say is, I'm going to be with you and I will send my spirit with you and we will be with you until the end of the age. You see, it's this comfort. It's this thing. The early believers had this. They had the book of Mark. They, they had these texts. They had these ideas. They had this understanding that stuff bad, bad stuff was just going to happen. It was just going to happen. And yet, there was always going to be that Christ figure there with them. Okay, so what can we do to cope with our ever-increasing paranoia and, and find some kind of secure footing? It's nice to hear me say that Christ is going to be with me, but what can I do practically? Well, why don't you self-quarantine? Why don't you wash your hands? Why don't you isolate? Why don't you stay inside if you're sick? You know, those are like super practical things. Like that's super smart, practical, easy. But there's also best practices for believers. There's things like check in on your less fortunate neighbors. Call your friends. Check up on the elderly couple that lives at the end of the block. Pray for the sick. Intercede for a divine solution to this problem. Pray for our elected officials. Acknowledge the fear. Yeah, acknowledge that you're afraid. But don't bow to fear. You see, we are above that. And, and realize that it's not about getting out of suffering. It's about having Jesus come and stand beside you as you both walk through the suffering. As you walk through the waves. Yeah, you know, my policy right now, we got to figure out how to stay safe. But I also, as a leader of a community of faith, I have to figure out how to continuously be the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay, these aren't coming out as regularly as I would like. If you're listening to this in arrears, hopefully this whole thing is blown over. I'm really thankful for the community that has surrounded this little project of mine. Thanks again for listening. Remember that regardless of what you're walking through, you will turn around and you will look back and you will see that goodness and mercy were following you the entire way. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed, please rate us and subscribe. All of the music was created and produced by Hello Wonder Music. You can find them at hellowondermusic.com. For more information about J.D. and the church he and Carrie co-lead, including our weekly podcast and upcoming events, please visit greaterchicagochurch.com.